Welcome back to Barta Community College. I'm Derek. And I am very confused. Man, we all are. Also Jordan, but also very confused. Today we're here to cover uh, House, a 1977 film by uh, one Nobuhiko Obayashi. Uh, this is a uh, early, well, I was going to say early Japanese horror film when this is the same this is the same industry that gave us uh, Yojimbo, or not Yojimbo, um, Onibaba and Kwaidan more than a decade before this. And Onibaba, uh, I still think, is con- widely considered a classic as well. So It, it is a very good movie, too. Um, might show up on the channel one day. But uh, it's a House is a movie that is hard to describe and hard to watch. It's not necessarily hard to describe. It's not hard it's to watch. It's a really weird, childish <laughs> version of the Evil Dead, albeit in some ways significantly more fucked up. Uh, it is a. It is described as a surreal, a surrealist horror comedy uh, by some sources, such as uh, the Criterion Collection of all things, which actually put out a English trans, uh, an English uh, subbed version in two thousand nine making it the only way to ho- own it on home video here in the States. Um, the movie went for, yeah, well over 30 years without any kind of official U.S. release. Uh, and now it's kind of a cult classic here. Um, and for very, very obvious reasons. <laughs> um, it, so, and and again, to be upfront with everybody watching, uh, I am not a, I am not a, real i'm not a real foreign film expert i don't uh i don't seek it out too often the only the only country in which that i've actually watched a decent if not really a lot of is japan a little bit of french cinema but uh i I still i think a little bit more but not by much like i do a lot of japanese and korean films but uh i've also done a lot of russian uh, cinematography and a lot of um, British and does British count as foreign film? Technically, since they have different, uh, since if so, then I'm an expert. <laughs> like, since it is English speaking, <laughs> I agree. But uh, their philosophies on shooting films are significantly different than a lot of Americans. So I don't want to say that it's the same because that would be kind of disrespectful overall to. Like the genre, I guess. I mean the whole the whole thing of foreign film is this kind of nebulous, very like, nebulous descriptor that might as well also be called like non English film or you know like and yeah in today's world where we're on the backs of um, parasites sweeping the Oscars and a lot of people getting kind of introduced to. Um, foreign cinema through that and more people you know more more people than ever are able to enjoy other countries content and non-english content oh yeah there's there's tons of like um uh dollywood and uh indian centric flicks on like netflix they've got a ton of korean dramas that have been popping up left and right on like netflix and a couple of other online retailers like digital content's a lot easier to start to kind of seep into the other cultures. It's easier to like get a hand on. Like forty years ago, 
I like when was the first time house was regarded in the U.S. Like maybe the late '80s. I couldn't tell you. Yeah, because like, the only pers- the only people who would have been able to see it are hardcore importers or tourists. Yeah, exactly. Like it, it was such like, a different yeah. time back then. I'd like to imagine that somebody. Like 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 some of the like somebody in the U.S. or Italy might have seen it and would <laughs> maybe gone on to make like some of the some of the early like or some of the early '80s stuff. And said what? Yeah, but no, there was nothing quite like this movie at the time, and really nothing like it since. It um it definitely has. I don't think it has directly inspired much, but you can definitely see like. Well, I can't even say that because, like I said, it is it is very Evil Dead esque, um, w- with a lot of the intentional, unintentional comedy and strangeness about it, um, especially with the uh, s- the directional filming of cameras, like the house shots, like the rolling shots and stuff like that. Like the cinematography for the movie is actually kind of interesting, and uh, all things considered, I, w- I would say I would say it's at least aesthetically the most important like the, the important thing about it and why this movie i think a deserves to be in the criterion collection and has been remembered is because it is a wonderfully made and very interestingly shot film yeah it, like all of the shots are very good and there's uh what's the the matte paintings that are in the background when they do outside shots so like <laughs> everything was probably shot like maybe on a sound stage or in a couple of warehouse rooms like maybe yeah yeah, it had to be. <clears throat> and it's one of those um and so talking about the actual like like getting into the actual movie, so before we get too in, into the weeds on this. So this was made um in 77 as a the funny so the funny thing is is you can tie a lot of blockbuster success in the 70s like the like the ideas for blockbusters in other countries and and stuff based on jaws and star wars oh god yeah like those those two movies have inspired decades of hey you want to make the next jaws except it's in farsi and you're like no but yes well and specifically supposedly that this film was kind of greenlit and in the same like this is going to be you know like a teen horror movie that you know as a as the idea and when it was when it went into pre-production at Toho of all places, none of the directors wanted to touch it because they thought it would end their career. Um, but Obayashi, who at that point had only done like student films and commercials was like, yeah, okay. Um, and you, so this you movie can tell has, there's, yeah. there's definitely some kind of growing pains <clears throat> in the put together of the movie. Like some of it, is cut very weirdly and the audio is cut arguably really badly. (laughs) Like there are points where sort of the background, like ambient track is louder than the conversations going on. So I don't know if that's necessarily the movie didn't have like much of any budget. So like I can imagine that most of it was shot on sound stages. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just to save money. It's very interesting because like, the handful of music tracks that the movie has uh, and the piano track that you're going to hear for uh, 78 of the 88 minutes of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, the movie didn't really have any like any real notable actors. It wasn't like yeah, you know, this wasn't any kind of real big like big budget production or yeah. And like, there's only like the way of what like twelve people in the movie. Yeah, and most of them are most of them are like just like out of high school age actresses. Yeah, or, varying like, ages of young women. Um, and then um, the other part of it is that I can imagine that uh, I can imagine that this the well more accurately what I mean is, and I've been stumbling over this is that the movie did end up making quite a bit of money at the box office and doing well with moviegoers, if not critics at the time of release, but it kind of was remained a cult hit in Japan after its release. And then it became a cult hit as well here in America. I think it has had some kind of uh, retroactive, um, uh, like reevaluation in Japan. I'm not really sure on that, but I mean, Japan goes through a lot of really weird cultural sort of step backs. And then they like, I I think for the most part, like Japan's horror flicks um, went to the wayside for a long time because they didn't necessarily receive kind of the accessibility or the applause that a lot of them, like the original Juon or the original grudge, which are, significantly older movies than people realize like the first when, when is the first grudge the first grudge came out hold on because was... ring is 1998 which is kind of like yeah which is kind of the the real like big the first real big international horror success with japan because that ended up getting remade and and uh <clears throat> so people the, at least the learned about Juon it was Let's see. So it premiered in 2002. Like, that's nuts. That was almost 20 years ago. Same way. I mean, like, you have Audition and. Oh, yeah, Audition. Well, you've got Dumplings. Yeah, you've got all of these, like, late 90s, early 2000s, like, sort of redos or the resurgence of Japanese horror where, like, out between house and the late '90s stuff, like what did you have? Well, you do have a small, a smallish number of horror films in the '60s and '70s, um, which again, house itself is so hard to like place as any kind as part of any kind of trend or any kind of like individual. Like you know, it's it's hard to square with the rest of everything even around it. <laughs> um. But the big thing that I think makes the film, you know, really stand out is that once it gets kind of going, it never stops being weird and off-putting. And oh, that's, no, that's very true. And that's, and that's one of the best things you can do as a horror director is at least create an atmosphere where, you know, you're never quite sure what's going to happen next. Um and I say horror, this film is called a horror comedy or, a, you know, just a or like a surrealist horror or even just normal horror. Um, there's no real easy way to box this movie in because uh, it's hard to say how much of it is deliberate comedy or not deliberate comedy. And there is the language barrier uh, for me and Jordan here. 
that is, you know, while we have the subs, it's, you know, it's never going to be a one-to-one perfect, like, Speaking of the subs, there was, there was a very interesting moment. So I, uh, I found a digital copy of it, uh, that we were going to watch and we started watching it and there was no subtitles. So whoever had, um, uploaded it hadn't attached the subtitle track to it proper. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I guess we'll have to run it or whatever. And then I was like, do I need the subtitles to understand this? And Derek was like, maybe, kind of, like I would do it. And then we watched the entire movie and I looked at him dead in the eyes and I was like, I needed subtitles for that. Yeah, I mean, you could honestly probably watch it and not need subtitles. But I do think um, I do think there is always going to be a little bit lost in translation. And like I said, I, I don't know if some of it is meant to be you know is some of it's meant to be scary and comes off as funny here or vice versa you know what i mean well i think it depends on the generational too so you have like the stuff from like the 60s and 70s so you have like kuroneiko you have quiet on you have house which were all like late 60s and then the 70s and then you've got like you didn't really see a lot between that and sort of the late nineties jump. Like that was where a lot of stuff started coming back out. Um, and it's kind of interesting how it works. So you had like sweet home in 89. And I think that was like, Oh yes. Pre resident evil. Yes. Um, like audition came out in 99. Ren was in 2005. You've got like parasite Eve was in 97. Um, is that a is that a movie or a PlayStation game? Both, actually. Whoa. Yeah. And it's and then there's Pulse in the late nineties, early two thousands. And Pulse was really good. If you have never seen Pulse, you should definitely uh give yourself a run on that one. It's it's very interesting. But uh so you have this like lull in I don't know if it's interest or production or uh, cultural interest for that matter, but like between like the late seventies and then the late nineties, there's this big gap in time where like Japan may be putting out horror movies, but none of them are considered like classics or, you know, it's just kind of weird. So you've got maybe a dozen films between the sixties and seventies that are like, oh, hey, we've got, like, some crazy stuff coming up. <laughs> the the tricky thing, or not the tricky thing, but the... As we, like, as we kind of walk around talking about the actual content of this movie... Uh... <laughs> well, I don't know if we're going to cover a lot of J-horror, so I think at least hitting the historical high points is kind of important. Like... Where do you start? Because there's literally two different generations of J-horror for that fact. With older stuff, it's very hard for me to say. Because uh, So my background with a lot of these movies is that I was exposed to them in college. Um, we watched a bunch of these early 60s, 70s Japanese horror films. And uh, I love, I ended up loving most of them. There's a, I can't like, I... And this one, I think, is the one that has stuck with me the most. So this is actually... I didn't even really like yeah. the movie, and I can't forget it. So, like, I get it. 
I understand. <laughs> I actually wrote a paper on this uh, on this movie, and it is the only essay in all my years at university that I got an A on. So, uh, I don't know if that I don't know if that should make me feel bad or good or what. Or, <laughs> but this movie stuck with me, and I'm very happy. I'm happy, and I'm very happy revisiting it. Uh, it was also it, this is the kind of movie that I like showing people because you never know how they're going to feel about it. <laughs> it's so like I don't regret having seen it because it's definitely a unique movie experience. Um but it's fucking weird. And like I say that and you know what I mean, but the listeners are just like, "Oh yeah, it's just going to be like maybe an odd ball screwy kind of movie." No, it's weird. <laughs> You have, like, man-eating pianos. There's a grandfather clock full of blood. There's a cat that is also an esper. There's a head that flies out of a well and eats ass. It does eat ass. So, I guess, so let's let's cut to let's the, start at the... Let's start at the beginning. Yeah, let's start at the start. So, there are... there The main character in this movie is a young care young woman uh oh god i i'd gone named down, gorgeous named gorgeous i'd gone way further down the rabbit hole than i expected uh her mother has died at some point in the past and her father is getting remarried to uh, a young person so she has a stepmom and she's really upset about this and i guess at the same time uh her six friends and one of their teachers have arranged this like learning expedition is there five of them i thought there were seven of them one two three there's a total of six uh six girls there's seven oh yeah no there's seven who's the seven gorgeous kung fu prof fantasy mac sweet and melody huh derp anyway um, yes, so that's that's what they're referred to in 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 movie. They all have their nicknames, thing. which is like their little stereotype or whatever. Yeah, like gorgeous and fantasy are just like these weird, like doe-eyed, uh, supposedly attractive young Japanese women. Kung fu is the embodiment of like a spaghetti kung fu flick in a horror movie, which every scene with her is wild and completely out of place for the rest of the movie uh prof is like your egghead mac is called such because she eats a lot i'll let you figure out the connotation uh you have uh sweet who's just the nice one yeah like and she's a maid i guess which was weird and then melody who is the musician yeah so extremely one-dimensional traits but it's it's really not something that you think about, I think, too much because you're more interested in seeing how yeah, like, it's, it's how shit hits the fan. It's definitely not about like the characters. It's more about like what's going on. And so they're supposed to go on this field trip somewhere, and the field trip gets canceled kind of out of nowhere. So Gorgeous decides to write to her mother's sister, who she hasn't seen in years. Uh, her aunt is like her aunt like gets her responses like sure is like hey i'd love to see you again and she's like hey we were gonna do this field trip thing can i bring my friends over to your house <laughs> you know, yeah which field is trip not out in the countryside which is not the weird thing that occurs 
So the weird thing uh, that occurs is she sends a letter to her aunt and she gets it back via cat. So there's just suddenly this cat in the movie uh, who is just traveling with the girls, which is weird. I'm sure he's fine. Yeah, well, I mean, if you see the end of the movie, the cat is definitely not fine. <laughs> um, so the the seven friends all... Uh, get together they take a they take a bus out to the countryside and make their way to auntie's house and along the way i should stress that goofy things are already happening in this movie like it is like before anything horror happens the movie is like it's, it's a little all over gross, the place it's kind of grossly like cheesy over the top happy like the exposite um, oh yeah no the scenes are like sugar like bubblegum pop happy like the music is upbeat the, the music settings is are so upbeat. funny the and the music wavers between like weird haunting piano melodies and like odd sort of 70s japanese disco like, well i was gonna say it's like the music to me is like it's when it's like whatever those, those episodes of scooby-doo and it like has a like a chase scene set to like some like bubblegum 60s rock yeah it's it's just very weird um, so this may be on film, and I'm sure I could be wrong about this, but it, it's interesting to say this may be the first riff track we have officially seen inside of its own canon. <laughs> so uh, everybody, so they get on a train to go to the to get to Gorgeous's aunt's house, and uh, they're like, "Hey, tell us about your aunt," and it gives us this like, "Well, how long was it? Like maybe eight minutes." No, it is not that long. Yeah, it is at most two, maybe three minutes. Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's so the scene in question, this is actually what I wrote my entire essay about is the girls are, the girls describe the ants. Um, they describe her backstory, which is like, she was alive during the war. She gets engaged to somebody who goes off to fight in the war. He dies in the war. Uh, and she kind of remains convinced that he will come home at some point. Um, and they, they watch the, so they, and it's the way the, the movie portrays it is, uh, the ant's life story is kind of played over in this old style film. Like it's made to look like it's like old film, like from the forties, um, with different colors and, uh, like a fake, like a fake filter kind of thing might not even be fake it might have actually shot in black and white um but they have weird color pop up in different scenes um and the whole thing is the whole thing is kind of weirdly jarring while they're uh talking about this fake movie they've kind of been showing while it's happening and it'll be like oh men were so much more handsome back then or weird like this like i want to wear white at my wedding while this backstories being played and it's very serious actually it's it's the weirdest <laughs> version of most extreme elimination challenge i've ever seen in my life like i expected a kenny blankenship line like that's how weird it was so, yeah so the, so the girls play mystery science theater on this on this uh uh footage of her aunt um and then they and then the, the scene transitions with uh the with the bomb with the nuclear bomb and they're just back on the bus waiting to get off. Um, and they don't, and it's such a, it's such an interesting moment because while it's kind of goofy with the girls, it's, 
it gives you an actually nuanced picture of the ant even before you meet her. And she's the only one in this movie who really has any kind of character depth as a result. Yeah, I would kind of agree with that because they don't really set you up. Like, even the professor who is supposed to be meeting the girls later and who only really shows up for, what, like four or five minutes throughout the entire rest of the movie? And then mm-hmm. it, he gets... And then oh. it, and then yeah, and they show him on the way to get there, and he's like, getting he lost? stops at a, yeah, he stops at a noodle bar. <laughs> yeah, he's just like doing everything, but like do the thing he was supposed to be doing, which is, or, or rather, he is, but it's taking too long. Yeah, it's very weird. So <clears throat> the girls arrive outside. They can't find the house. There's a watermelon seller who is like, "Hey, you guys should take a watermelon and like give it as a gift." And they're like, "Oh yeah, that sounds awesome." And they're like, "Hey, where's the house?" And he's like, "It's there." And he, this, suddenly there's this house on the hill uh, on these weird painted backgrounds. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's very... I lo- The artistic choices that they make in this movie are very interesting, but ultimately odd. Um, and there's a... It's... From here, it just kind of like... You know, it's simultaneously every house on haunted hill movie where ah we meet some kind of strange inhabitant of this house and we start hanging out at the house and then weird things start happening and really to, to go on anymore is kind of doing the movie a slight disservice uh because a some of it kind of defies easy explanation and b that's putting it very politely also not know, necessarily it's, correct it's it's considerably more fun to walk into <clears> this movie <throat> with no idea what happens beyond beyond the setup but tell them about bananas. Oh yeah, we'll get to bananas. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like I think I think we're not gonna have we're not gonna have any kind of spoilery section, but we'll, we'll save some of our choice favorite moments to talk about a little more towards the end, and we're gonna we're gonna go into more of the choices in making the movie. Uh, such a, up until then, such a weird fucking thing. Yeah, the so the whole movie is again it's shot on a sound stage or something like, or something close to it with sets. Um, there's only really one big, well, there's a couple of sets in the movie that I guess make up the ant's house. And those are great. They are, they are. <clears throat> no, the house is its made. own kind of character. It's got, it's very spooky. Well, it's not even spooky. The, the house is, um, it's interesting is the thing. Like it, the house itself actually has a lot of character. Um, and the most of the movie is like look like it's shot on TV sets with the with these big elaborate matte paintings in the background that are just real enough that you don't they're just real enough looking that you don't think about it right away. But the longer you look at it, the re, the more you realize something is kind of off, and that that sets the tone for the movie right away because the whole movie is is unsettling kind of. Or offbeat. I don't even know if I would say get... call it unsettling in the beginning, but it's definitely like offbeat would be a better way. It's just weird. So like the first twenty minutes of the movie have this weird like drug fantasy kind of vibe to them, and I I don't know if it's like I don't know what style it does of come across as very much like a hippie like like stoner film at the beginning yeah it's just it's it's very odd to me but i get it i guess um so the girls meet the ant and the cat uh the cat persists 
Um, what else is really going on? So, the movie is a little more graphic, I think, than I was ready for. Like, I was expecting a little bit of goofy stuff, but it, uh, it's got some scenes in it that are, like, kind of crazy. It's never super, it's not super gory, uh, but it is, it does have some very sudden, like... (laughs) violent moments yeah uh, and, and not all of them are forecasted like properly so sometimes there's just a body and a grandfather clock <laughs> um and one of the other things to take note of is that the special effects are designed in a very unconventional way they are as as told by the director they were made to look like they had been made by a child and you'll see that with kind of like uh, some shots look like a um, like like you were like you were just taking a marker on top of the film reel and like like, aha, here's my special effects. Like <laughs> here's a fire and you draw like a little cartoon or like 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 just a few wavy lines. And this is your fire effect. There are effects like that in this movie. And sometimes these are just like weird and it makes more for like the for more like the camp funny but sometimes these are actually quite scary. Like there's another scene where a character looks into a mirror and the mirror breaks and falls apart. And then it pans back to the, the real face and piece by piece, like her face falls off. Yeah. And it's that, like, that part was, and it's, and it's just kind of like a chroma key effect, but it's, it's still unsettling. Yeah. It definitely has a couple of scenes that are, far and away a little more terrifying than the rest. Um, and a lot of the effects kind of do feel like something out of Monty Python or like a little bit. Yeah. You get that. Vibe. What's the name of that? Is it paper man? Is that SNES game? That's all like cut out objects. Oh, uh, it's like a shooter. Maybe. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, the, the effects are deliberately, very weird in this movie and kind of designed on a small like kind of i don't again i don't know if it was them making the best out of a small budget or again like as the director puts it a deliberate choice in every instance um but for the most part this works really well and again you do have your kind of typical scares of like oh you found a head in the in the well Oh no! Then the head's coming alive and attacking me. Oh no! And, and then it gets my, goofy. And then it's eating my butt. It's it's very weird in some places. And there's very weird moments of like sometimes the inanimate objects in the house just kind of attack people. It's or... it, that was a lot of where I would say like it is. It feels Evil Dead e. Yeah. Like, because, like, you've got a lot of inanimate objects interacting with, like, the regular cast, and it's just, like, just a little weird. Just a little? I mean, yeah, just a little. It's not, like, the worst thing I've ever seen as far as oddity, but, like, it's got some, <laughs> it's got some choice uh, cuts. And then by the end of the movie, it's, it's, it's like a little rift into hell has opened up. There's pools of blood, there's the cats there's the cat expelling out blood on the like onto the, the people there's drawer there's drawers and stuff blowing up you have other weird inanimate objects are at, like at this point totally attacking people in the house a uh, lamp the piano eats the piano eats somebody's a, fingers. the piano eats somebody it, it's a it's a time 
Um, and the and again, the longer it goes, the more weird things happen, deliberately unexplainable things happen, and the movie like tries to kind of like have their own like explanation of what's going on and the heroes try to figure a way out uh but it <clears throat> it doesn't really work out well for almost anybody <laughs> no like I, there there's there's one winner at the end of the movie and i wouldn't necessarily consider it a win so to speak like things just get bizarre and they don't really stop uh there's one scene where a man turns into bananas yeah, a whole-ass man turns into whole-ass bananas. It's just, it's so bizarre. So, what if, was your what was your favorite, I guess, part <clears> of the movie, Jordan? I think it was the piano scene that went on too long. With the skeleton in the back, like, <laughs> just jiggling around? Yeah, like, I, it went on, like, that whole scene was just one thing after the other of, like, why are we still doing this? I think, I think, I think the giant like pool of blood is maybe, or like the house flooding with blood is probably my, like everything (coughs) after that is just, you mean prof getting melted by the pool of blood after she gets attacked by a jar of teeth. Oh yeah. That, (laughs) yeah. Like there's just, there's Kung Fu's legs coming off and like beating the shit out of the painting. <clears throat> yeah, Kung Fu's disembodied legs murder the cat, which is pretty cool, I guess. Like, there, there's so much weird stuff in this movie that it'll take you a second to process it. Oh, it'll take you longer than a second. Like, I've had reoccurring problems thinking about this movie for since we watched it. It's it's just... So man. I think I succeeded. But... Yeah, you did. Uh, and this, And that's where I think this movie does really succeed, because there's nothing like it. And in and, and, and the bad sense... The movie does have a few flaws uh, and things that maybe could have made it an even better movie if they had been fixed. Um, the big one that we noticed rewatching this film, and I wonder, like, as we were watching the Criterion Collection version, um, I would love, I would, I really wonder if the sound editing is different in different cuts because the sound mixing in this. The sound mixing in this movie is not great. Uh, there are a lot of times where the music is like annoyingly loud and it's and you have the the music is mixed over the dialogue or the the like the effects happening in certain scenes and it's very distracting. And there are several scenes I think where where the music is just distracting in general because it's this they repeat this piano piece a lot that's kind of nice and would have been good if they used it two or three times and they use it through honestly probably a good 15 minutes of the movie oh it's longer than that um and it uh, it's just a, it's just an issue that um again i don't know if it's the version or i don't know if you know and maybe it's a deliberate choice again but it's it's <laughs> it, it could be better um I do think that the wildly uneven tone is part of the charm. No, yeah, um, I don't I don't think you could I think if this were done as an intentionally straight movie, it would have been a significantly different movie. <clears throat> yeah. Um I would very much like to see a like a version of the film that maybe had that had a little bit less comedy overall, but 
um, especially like the deliberate comedy. Um, but it's too integral, I think, to the experience. Um, because again, it's you do kind of get invested a little bit into what's going on with the house. A little so, bit. It's just like the the movie does leave <clears throat> you with a lot of questions that are deliberately not answered. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it, it definitely does not tie itself up well, very very well at all. Especially considering like the back half of the movie, I would argue is mostly inconsequential, and you don't know how it's supposed to be this done. Inconsequential or incomprehensible? Both. <laughs> and and again i the movie does kind of explain a few things uh specifically like what's the deal with the ant what's the deal with the cat that kind of stuff but uh, after a point it's kind of like you're watching poltergeist but like off of its meds <laughs> you're watching the uh the 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 airplane version of poltergeist kind of yeah, but it's also scarier than Poltergeist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not. I would definitely wouldn't say it's not, but it's 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 just weird. So, should you watch it? Yes, I I think the movie has enough of a merit to at least appreciate for one a timepiece. Like it, it definitely shows you cinematography from Japan in a different era, um, and, and you'll notice that it it's significantly different than movies from other places at the time as well. Um, cause like the late seventies were, you know, what, what movies were we doing in the seventies? Godfather, Jaws, Star Wars, <clears throat> yeah, like we, we had Chinatown, so, we had this huge auteur, we had this huge auteur scene in Hollywood. This is, this is actually when a lot of other, like the sixties and seventies when a lot of non-American film studios like are getting off the ground and making art movies. Um, Watership but Down like, came out in seventy eight. <laughs> what a what a strange example. Soil and um, Green. Monty Python and the Holy Grail, seventy nine. The Muppet movie came out in seventy nine. Um all of these equally as important as House and Jaws. Um <laughs> uh Loop in the Third, the Castle of Cagliostro. Seventy eight, right? Uh seventy nine, actually. But um this movie is totally unlike anything else. Like honestly, it does remind me in a way very much of Evil Dead and uh, it is, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, you're, you're going to get is, some weird it, Evil it Dead is, vibes out of It this is movie. so ahead of its time slash in it, or maybe not ahead of its time, but in its own time, in its own, like, thing, or, like, because, like, Texas, Ch Texas Chainsaw Massacre is one of the most influential horror movies ever made, partially because it is so different than everything else around it. And this is like this. This to me feels like that same kind of movie, where it is so unique and so out there that it kind of exists in its own con like in its own context. Yeah, and I mean, I think the same thing. Could, I, is, is this movie like high art? No. Yes. It's, a, it's no. No, it's a weird fucking movie that is definitely ahead of its time. I will 100% agree with that. It has it has functions and parts of itself that you would not see in other movies for a decade plus, which is definitely interesting. Like like I said, I like it as a timepiece because it it offers you a very unique look into cinema one you 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 wouldn't have watched mm -hmm. anyway. So 
I I I like the movie a lot. Uh, I don't. It would never be my favorite movie. It would never be. I think it's never the first movie I want to show people. You know, but it is. I think a very important movie, a very fun movie to watch, uh, and one that's honestly fun to analyze. It. it yeah, there's there's a lot there's, going there's a on. lot of aesthetic choices that I appreciate, um, and there is. It's, it has this sort of, it has this memorableness to it that I think is so important because you'll never, like, you're never going to forget parts of this movie. You are correct. Never, like, the experience of watching it is so magical. <laughs> I don't know if those are the specific words I would use, but I understand it. So, like, yeah, you, you, you get, should, you get that, right? Yeah, like, it <laughs> you is. Get me. It is unique. I will. Ab- I will. There is no way you could convince me that this. So, that the this real was question is: unique. Is this a movie that Jordan that you would show somebody else? I think. Uh, I think this is sort of the perfect example of like a Halloween binge movie when like you and a bunch of friends are hanging out at a house and you're like, "Hey, let's watch some weird shit and see what happens." This would be my like. This would be my pick for like a for that kind of experience of like, we're all going to sit around and watch some goofy horror movies, put on house, put on your evil dead Two, put on fright night. Evil dead two is such an, such an iconic movie. Um, and you know, I, you know, again, I think describing too much of this movie is just, is, is doing it a disservice. I do think it's the kind of thing where if you are into it, having, having talked about it and sort of analyzed it, before recording i i think it's not like going into the synopsis of the movie by itself i i don't think does it justice because like this really is something that you would just have to sort of see like it's such a bizarre experience uh and i like i said i don't regret it it's good it's good it's just it's a lot i will say that it is a lot it is a lot (laughs) There's like a lot, a lot going like on. I can this is I can understand somebody who doesn't like this movie. I really can because it's not for everyone, and it's it is very in your face. And again, and again, like you're you could totally be turned off by a lot of the a lot of the choices here. A oh yeah, the, um, you know, and hopefully one of those is I, I don't like it because it's not in English. <laughs> No, I mean, hopefully most of the people sort of get that, you know, we, we might be covering things in other languages occasionally. And like, yeah, I, this isn't some like high art critique or anything, but like next week, Onibaba. Uh, no, if we're going to do anything, we should pick like a Spanish movie that's out of the way. We could do like the original Wreck. Spirit of the Beehive. Spirit of the Beehive is really good. Um, but that's, that's, again, that's a thing is we could like, there's a lot of film out there that isn't necessarily American in origin or adjacent, um, that ends up being really good. And with that, is there anything else you want to talk about tonight, Jordan? No, I think that's good. Like if, if you want to see some weird progenitor to japanese horror in kind of an odd manner um because this i don't know if it's the first japanese monster movie quote unquote that's not like you know godzilla godzilla yeah 
Like in a horror sense, I don't know if this is their first creature flick. Um, I would have to do a little more digging into oh, that. Oh no, no. Well, Onibaba and Kuroneko are both. Well, Onibaba like, only technically it... has a monster in it. It's not actually a monster. Like this one, Quaidon. Quaidon's a yeah. A I guess Quaidon's a good point. Kuroneko is kind of ambivalent, but uh, Quaidon's definitely got a ghost in it. So this is a very unique movie. It, yeah, it really yeah. is. Like even even in its contemporaries, like the the rest of the movies we just named were all made in the late sixties to the seventies, um, and, and this one still stands out very unique in my memory because I've seen at least three of the other ones. So yeah, give it give it a go. It's an it's you may not like it, but I think you can appreciate the watch at the very least. And with that. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. And don't let the piano eat you. It's fucked up.